So everyone is always asking me, Eric, where do I find libraries? Well, I think my guest today knows where all the bodies are buried uh, in this particular subject. And if you haven't heard the name Art Munson, then you have either forgotten his name or not Googled music libraries, or you just don't know that he is the mastermind at musiclibraryreport.com, the guiding voice for people for a lot of years. We're gonna talk about that. So today, we're gonna find out how Art makes music income, his background in music and composing and music licensing, why and how he started Music Library Report, then hang around because we are going to sling the dirt about every library that we can think about, from Pond 5 to Audio Sparks, from scorekeepers to crucial music, stock libraries, sync libraries, all kinds of libraries, unlibraries, not libraries. We're going to get to it today. But first, as always um, on this channel, I have something free for you, and Art has a deal for you as well. Do you want to describe, uh, tell people about your your deal you have for people right now for this? Uh, well, it's a coupon code, 30% off, um, MMI24. Yep. And that's a coupon code, and it ends on February 29th, which is a leap year, I guess. Huh? Cool. Well, I will put that in the description below and and get, uh, get that for everybody if you want to get that code you can find it in the description below and my free thing is do you know since we're going to be talking about libraries today i have a course that many of you know it's called the stock market it talks about all the stock music libraries the micro sync libraries all the different names we have for them but i have added two more modules to the beginning of that that are free so you can go take the introduction and you can go take the two other modules for free and see if you like it before you even decide to uh, take the whole full course. And you can find that at makemusicincome.com slash stock market. So there's two deals for you to find music libraries. You people you people who say that there's no way to find music libraries. Well, usually I find art that they are just not looking hard enough for music libraries because it doesn't take long. If you type in music libraries to find music library report or to find some actual music libraries. And so... Uh, I think we've both tried to help people find them, but you've done it for longer. So let's, let me just now introduce you for real here on the channel. Ladies and gentlemen, Art Munson of Music Library Report. Art, thank you so much for being here today. My pleasure. Um, let's start with a question <laughs> I ask every single person on this channel, and uh, you're, you're going to have a uh, probably a different answer than most, and I'm soon going to have a different answer than most. But how do you make music income these days? Oh well, oh boy, <laughs> that's a that's a good question. I, uh, I guess you know we have a lot of stuff that's been on air, so we get money from BMI from our pros. We get some licensing income. I have a lot of things I played on back in the years past. I still get money from that. The market has changed a lot, as we all know. I think it's harder. I've noticed a lot of the, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff. If you're not in, you know, the high-end libraries, you know, you're dealing with getting placements and reality shows, mm-hmm. and a lot of that kind of stuff. And I see that market has changed a lot. You know, they're using a lot more artists now in those shows. Um, but you know, there's always there's always people out there looking for music. The market changes so much in terms of the style of production and just trying to keep abreast of that. And I think there is money to be made out there. And that's where we seem to be getting whatever money we make from there. One thing I don't talk about much on this channel, though, <laughs> if it sticks around for another seven years, I will. And I talk about it a little bit, but that is retirement and music life and music income, you know, because there is a combination or there's going to be, especially as as far as Americans, at least, um, where we're going to get some retirement and then we are going to have money that we make other than that. And a lot of people Mm -hmm. watching this, you know, my, my, this is not (laughs) a popular subject probably for the 35 to 44 crowd that watches this channel. Most people think that when you retire, you just sit around in Florida like I am 
looking at the blue skies and going to the beach all day. And the truth is, those of us who are <coughs> truly musicians can never, quote unquote, retire. We might get some re retirement income, which makes it nicer not to have to like bust it like I have to now to get all the funds I need to pay mortgage and everything. Talk about that a little bit, what it's like to be in that age of retirement plus, you know, being in yeah, music. Yeah, well, you know, I, I'm not shy, I'm 83. So, uh, <laughs> you know, and still going I, strong. I, made, I made up my mind a long time ago. In fact, I'll tell you a great, at 83, I have a lot of stories. So here's, here's one of my favorite. When I first moved to LA, I met a guy named Sidney Cohen, and this was 1971. And Sidney was a great guy. He had written the lyrics to Harlem Nocturne, which is an old instrumental that was very successful back in the day. <clears throat> and he had written some other lyrics. Well, Sidney was 70-some years old, and he had his hand in two or three studios in L.A. He had partnerships. He was always listening to pop radio. He was always trying to write songs, trying to write hit songs. And I said, Sydney, when I'm your age, I want to be just like you. And I'll be doing it. I'm still doing it. The thing is, I've even with all this stuff coming out, with all the, the way that the, the music has changed so much, especially in the last 15 years or so since we started writing production music, um, I'm always going to be making music. It doesn't really yeah. matter. I don't care what the market does. You know, I'm always going to be trying what, what was it? A friend of mine said, I'm a serial entrepreneur. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm always trying stuff, you know, and I'm going to try, you know, I went out yesterday looking for new software because I go, you know, I need, I need some of this, <laughs> uh, I need some transition software. So I started looking at that, you know, it's like, I love this stuff. So I got a big sweet water <laughs> order on its way. Just shipped today. <laughs> Ooh, baby. So, so you've been in music for a long time. When did you, how did you get your start in music? I started, my dad had a band. They were together for 50 some years, square dance band. Mm -hmm. So I was, that was my, was my mom saying, I was in the Marine Corps and I got stationed in California in 1958. Yeah, I used to drive around and go down to Newport Beach and down to Balboa Island and the Balboa Peninsula and hang out down there. And I ran across this guy playing in a Ricky Dink ice cream parlor. And his name was Dick Dale. Dick was sort of the founding father of surf music. And I ended up going into, he had a record store. I'd go in there and I'd say, oh, I play a little guitar, you know. And one day he said to me, well, I've got to play in this club, but all my, my guitar players are too young. Do you want to play? I said, sure. Well, from then on, I was playing with Dick and I had to go overseas when I was in the service for a year. I got back. I continued playing with Dick, the guy who was a sax player in the band said, come on, I'm sitting with these guys down in Santa Ana. And I go, I don't know, I'm too shy. You know, I don't know. Finally, I went down there. Well, it was the Righteous Brothers before they were the Righteous, before they were successful. So then when they, become, when they became big, <clears throat> I started touring and recording with the Righteous Brothers. This was in the 60s. I didn't want to do that anymore. I wanted to be in a band because I'd never been in a band. Got in the band. Did that towards the end of 60. Uh, band didn't go anywhere. I had one album. Then I moved to L.A. Oh, I know. I was working with Bill Medley mm -hmm. in San Francisco. Paul Williams happened to come in. He said, I really like the way you plan. If you ever play, if you ever move to L.A., look me up. So and Paul was great. He he was one of the, one of the best guys I worked for. He treated everybody, treated my family great. He used to flew my parents out when we played in Lake Tahoe. Um, he was a great guy. So I worked for Paul and then being in LA just kind of like got into the, the click of recording and doing studio work. So I did a lot of studio work all through the seventies and then got burned out in that in 79 Then opened a recording studio in my house in LA, did that for a bunch of years, moved to Nashville. And then in 2005, met a guy who was dating a woman who worked at a production company, they did reality TV shows. Mm -hmm. They said, well, we really don't like our music anymore. He says, well, I know some people. <laughs> and that's how I got into doing that. It was cool, you know, but uh, my wife got sick and thank God she's fine now. And so we moved back to LA mm -hmm. in 2000. And I built a little studio there and did a little bit more work. Uh, 2005, we had this friend of ours and met this woman. And then we just, we started cranking out the, you know, 
production music. Yeah. And so that's when licensing came into the picture and, and or production music, however you want to, whatever you want to call it. So you're, you're back in, you, you've, you've gone to Nashville, you've come back to LA and you've got into production music and you're, you're doing uh, production music things. When did um, music library report, or is that, is this something recent or is this something that, how long has that been around? No, I was in yoga one day. My wife and I it's went such to an L.A. thing to say. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but she still goes. Uh, uh, so anyways, and of course, when I was supposed to be zenning out or whatever, I'm going, and we were writing production music. This was about 2007 or 2008. I've got an idea. Where do you find all these libraries? Yeah. Remember Film Music Network? Yes, of course. I, I was part of that for yeah. years. Absolutely. Were you part of that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, who was the the other guy? Wasn't there another it's guy? It's called that Film was... TV Mu- yeah, Network right. or something like that, right? Well, Film Music I Network. Somebody there, and uh, they gave me a whole list of libraries. I told them what I wanted to do, so they gave me a whole list of libraries. And I had started building websites and messing around with them in the early 90s. I said, well, I could figure this out. So I built a website out of WordPress, and that was pretty much it. Music Library Report came on my radar early on as I was talking with different people like Ed Hartman and different people, you know, about music licensing. And he's like, have you ever heard of Music Library Report? (laughs) And I was like, "Uh, I think so. And so... Um, I've joined it several times. So when it started and we have all these libraries, we're going to go through them all here in a minute, but what did it start as? Did it start more as production music for television and film? Was there a divide right away between music for like stock music and, and sync licensing? Yeah. I, you know, I think it's kind of sort of morphed into that, you know, you know, back in the day, you know, you talk about, library music and like nobody wanted to do it and i'm talking going back to the 60s i mean this stuff started way way back Mm -hmm. and nobody it was like sort of uncool to be in that you know if you were a working musician you know like i was it's like or producing and writing um you know you just you didn't want to be same with jingles yeah yeah exactly yeah but then you know as you know as things change you know you go on in your life. And I'm sure there's probably 30 years old out there, you know, working full time in bands and wouldn't ever dream of doing this. But I think it's, but I think initially it was just when I was in it, it was production music. It was library music, but I could see over the years, you know, it slowly morphed into sync licensing. And like I said, when you listen to reality shows now, I don't even know how some of these acts are getting paid because I see APM, as the credit on the end credit on some of these shows and some really good music on there. I mean, they're, they're artist records, they're singles, you know, I would imagine that some of them are writing specifically, you can tell lyrically what they're doing. They're either finding stuff that goes with the show or they're writing stuff for the show that has lyrics in it. That has changed a lot and it's become more about getting artists placed per se into some of these shows. And, you know, everybody's hustling. Everybody's trying to like yeah. make get heard above the noise, I, and uh, we're all doing it. And and if you can get your music into shows or TV shows and get noticed, that's where it's it's headed, and it's already there for that matter. I, I think and, it's it's become a little bit of the the new version of getting signed. Is getting yeah. is being an artist and getting a big placement, and yeah. uh, I think a lot of the music supervisors are now kind of in the role of the A and R director of guy. of a label, exactly right, yeah. and yeah. they they I just talked with Tamara Bubble recently, who is a uh, you know she's a force, but she also has her own mm-hmm. sync agency, and you know uh, she uh, she is someone who has made a, a career as an artist for sync, a, 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 an artist for placements, not necessarily a, uh, an artist as a record label type of thing, but almost she is using sync as her uh, promotional device for her music. Wow. And wow. I think that is, uh, and, and 
that has become, and I don't know, labels are probably jumping on all of this too, because there is that's one of the sure. last places there is of money, unless their streaming numbers are really high, or they are touring, and because there is no more sales, and so yeah. <laughs> placements now has be replaced CD sales as an income for labels and for artists. I want to talk about exclusive versus non-exclusive. You had started to touch on this for a minute before we just dive into libraries. Mm-hmm. I have, like you, I I have started 2024 with the mindset and I was kind of like this in 23, but I am moving more towards non-exclusive, if not fully non-exclusive. I I have deals with several exclusive libraries and one of them, which brings me good sync income from reality shows and different things like that. And I can, um, I do have, I have freedom there to write albums if I get the, the the go ahead and just deliver whatever I want. And, and they, they usually, I did a Christmas dramedy album for them just recently and it did really well during the holidays. And so, um, I don't mind that. I don't, and I don't mind exclusivity if, especially if I know it's going to make me money, but well, yeah, that's the thing you don't know, but if I, I have a pretty good idea, it will, I'm fine with it. But everything else, probably 80%, I want, I'm going to be keeping exclu- non-exclusive from this point on. Because mm-hmm. uh, number one, I want to be able to do all the promoting of it on Spotify and on YouTube and um, all that kind of stuff. And put it in every library because you never know when even a Pond5 or a Audio Jungle or something like that is going to be a two or $300 a big license yeah. and uh, every dollar counts and all that kind of stuff. We'll talk about that in a minute, Absolutely. but I, I just, I think I've, I've landed on that non-exclusive side. I've, I've seen the light, uh, the, the, the sync agents I've been talking to recently say there is no reason to give away your publishing. There's no reason for that. Now, um, I, I do love libraries. I believe in libraries. Obviously, you believe in libraries. You have a a, 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 a whole <laughs> side about libraries. But at the same time, uh, I am talking with Seek agents now, and I will be pitching to them first before I put things into libraries or at least into exclusive libraries, and and probably be still working with my li- my exclusive libraries. I was with an exclusive library. I've been with a few exclusive libraries, and. Sometimes they do well, and then they sort of peter out. And it's fortunately, all the exclusive libraries I've been, I've had good relationships. And I've managed to get them back. Yeah. And it's not always easy to do. Yeah. But I was fortunate to to find some really good people, uh, and I enjoy working with them. But I just after a while, I just say, you know, it's just not working. They're just sitting there, and they will go, okay, yeah, we agree, and they'd give it back to me. Um, but if I was in, you know, a top, an APM or one of those libraries and it was like just doing well, I would have no problem. But I've ne- right. it's never been my experience. It's just never been my experience. That's personally. Yeah. And like I said, I have with us one library that things do do well there. They, things, do, especially if they're holiday based, because I have a couple holiday albums with them, or if they're love based, because I have some generic love type things with them and stuff mm-hmm. like that. They do well. And so I don't have a problem with that. They bring me some income and, and every year it's growing. But um, everything else, I just feel like I'm going to, and, and I also have a few libraries that are doing zero. And one of them, which we'll yeah. talk about here in a minute, but I, I will probably, when the three-year option is up, I will probably pull them, you know, a lot of that yeah. stuff back out mm-hmm. if possible and and keep it non-exclusive. So Let's quit teasing and let's talk about some music libraries, if you don't mind. And, and we're not going to spend a lot of time on everyone. I just want to get your initial thoughts about all of these libraries. And we'll start kind of from the bottom up or top down. It depends on how you think of libraries. But we're going to start with where I always start and where I tell everybody to start, especially if they're new to licensing. And that is our old friend, Pond5. Right. <laughs> I just had a new artist and, and she's, she's working, she's a cellist and she's working on these cello arrangements and mm-hmm. she just emailed me today. She got seven songs into Pond5. That's her first library. And she was just oh, over God. the moon, you know, but I, I think it's a good place for people to start. What are your thoughts? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I was, I got started with Pond5 when it was owned by Tom. Can't remember his name. 
Uh, and then he sold it, and then it got sold again. That's when I don't know. Did you know Mike Pace when he was there? I, I've heard this Mike, story from other people who have yeah, been part right. of it that long. So, so Mike was a great guy, and he was you know hands on. We had a great relationship, and then he left. Uh, you know, and then of course you know they changed it, and once again they want you to go exclusive. And I'm not going to do that. The same with Audio Jungle, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to do that. So they. You know, it used to be 50-50, now it's 35-65 or whatever it is. And it's, well, you know, it's really, you know, it still delivers every month, you know, money. And uh, I've noticed the last couple of months it sort of came up a little bit. And uh, um, so, you know, I, you know I'd, I'm not as crazed about, like, putting stuff in there constantly like I was because I have like, I don't know, I've got a ton of stuff in there of all different kinds and it sells regularly. So I think it's a great place for people to start. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I, I don't know about their briefs when they put their briefs out, whether they mean a lot. I haven't really tried that. I haven't either. Um, uh, So, but I am interested to see what they say in their briefs. Like, you know, the latest one was hand pan music. I went, I've never heard of that before. I saw that. Okay. <laughs> I use Pond 5 a little differently than most people use it. I, I use it as a place to get, uh, I hope, you know, I've got 300 plus things in there, which is yeah. probably low compared to what you have. But, you know, I I have uh, sales through there. But what I really use Pond 5 for, and I talk about this all the time, is as a, uh, a, a library, um, a kind of a catalog, kind of a database where I can just go pull my all my stuff from. So I use it first just to make my description, make my keywords. Uh, yeah. When I can, I can go there anytime and see what the tempo is, see what the key is, see yeah. all those, see the running time. And so it's my it's my catalog. It's and yeah. and so and it's always up. I can just go to it and and I keep Pond Five up as I'm putting in other things. But then I put I it. Some, yeah, I do something very similar. It's like. Everything that I I do, because I I built this big database, a relational database to keep track of everything, and everything goes into Pond5 because that way if I have to pull anything from anywhere, I can go to my database and go to Pond5. Copy and paste. Well, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It it was my third most performing of the libraries after Motion Array and Content ID last year. I, I kind of include Content ID with these incomes because it's mostly from these. Like you know, they're, they're it's like chicken and the egg type of thing. You know, if if I don't put stuff out on Motion Array and Pond Five, I never make any money on content ID for the most part, probably there's probably some money to be caught on content ID from people who steal it from illegally downloaded or something like that from things. Well, I'm sure. So. I'm sure. And you know, that's the great thing about being in, you know, like with identify or any of those companies that, you know, if they let them steal it, fine. If it gets, you know, if they've got a million views, I'll take the money. Let's, uh, you know, to steal it, but you know they're gonna. We'll get back to libraries in a minute. Let's jump ahead to content ID, and you're with Identify. I'm with Identify. There's um, right now um, a bit of a lag to get uh, the latest month, which I think is back in October. I think we're still waiting for October right now. Well, yeah, we just got paid, and it was the September, the end of the third yeah, quarter. I, I didn't get paid. I I, well, I didn't make it this time, but uh, that means my next check mm-hmm. is going to be very big, but. Um, all that to say, uh, content ID, I think is a necessary it. I think if you are a music maker and you're putting out music, even if you're not putting stuff out to libraries, you should be on identify or in some kind of content ID. It's like being on BMI. I believe these days. Yeah. Yeah. Especially these days. You were with AdRev. What was your experience with AdRev? Pennies. Pennies. Jumped to dollars when I went to identify. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, such a huge difference. I couldn't believe it. You know, I don't mind the cut. You know, wish it was less, but uh, you know, it's found money. Yeah, agreed. Found money is yeah. for sure. I mean, it. It when I first signed up for it, it, it was just like, well, I didn't have this money before, and now I do. So I'll take whatever it is, yeah. whether it's a hundred dollars yeah. or ten dollars, I'll take it. You got to, yeah. It's it, it's a business of pennies, really. It, it's turned into that. You've got to get it 
wherever you can get it. And there's a lot of places to get, like neighboring rights is a whole other thing. Yeah. I don't know if you've got a deal there. I know that. Did that take several years to get started to start to no, see anything? Didn't take long at all. And, you know, it's it's an, another few hundred bucks every quarter or so, whatever he pays. It's like sound exchange. It's like any of those things, you know. You, yeah. you just got to be part of all of them. You never know. And MLC is another one. Mechanical Licensing Collective. Yeah, MLC. That's another one. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you so, are doing very well on Spotify or, or, or streamers, you need to be in the MLC. And you're in the United States. You need to be in MLC for sure. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, we're not doing great on Spotify, but we, we, we did finally get a check from MLC the last few couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it's taken me a long time. I, I've gotten two or three payments for them, but they've been for like $10 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I know. Um, so let's get back to libraries. We started with Pond 5. Let's go to the other uh, big elephant in the room that is kind of a smaller <laughs> elephant now, which is Audio Jungle, which was right. probably the other big, whenever you hear about the old days from a Daniel Carrizales or somebody like that who started back in the day with some of these libraries like Pond 5, they also started with Audio Jungle. And and uh, Stevie B, my podcast partner and friend, he started with Audio Jungle and there were, it was, there were days of wine and roses with Audio Jungle. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's changed since it closed its doors now coming up on three years ago. Do you realize it's almost been three years since they, they're not picking anybody new in 2021, mid 2021, they closed. Are they back open? No, no, I haven't been paying that much attention. I just, you know, I, every once in a while I upload something there and, um, I thought I, I guess I had heard that, but I didn't register. I'll have to check that out. But um, mm. it's still, you know, I had a sale there the other day, and um, I think it was, it was still my fifth most paying libraries. I have two. I have a regular account. I mean, a non-exclusive and an exclusive account with them. Mm -hmm. And so um, I, I think if you add them both up, they still are are only uh, the fifth most income I had from those kind of libraries mm. last year. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, it, and the, and I don't want to spend too much time on it because anyone who's new and has not in it can't get in it, or at least I, they couldn't as of uh, recently. Yeah. I did hear of one person who got in, but, and, and oh, is that right? along with them, there's, there's Envato elements, which uh, I was, uh, you have to be invited to, were you ever invited to Envato elements? I don't think I so. I think you would know because from yeah. what I understand, it does pretty well. It's, uh, yeah, I heard that it does pretty well. Yeah. I've seen, uh, some, some payment reports that, that it does very well. But again, you can't just, you can't just apply for it. You have to be invited. Yeah, and I think you have to be invited because you had so many sales on Audio Jungle or something like that. But right. so from there, let's go to Audio Sparks. What are your thoughts about Audio Sparks? I saw a, a, a note you had about uh, some personal things with Audio Sparks recently, but. Yeah, Barbara, she just passed away. Mm -hmm. She was wonderful. Uh, yeah, I got into them really early on. Um, but. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in the radio sparks part of it. Yeah, I am now. Uh, I, got, I pulled everything out of there. Yeah. Because it just, I, I didn't, I don't like that uh, in per perpetuity aspect of and it. And no content ID. Yeah. yeah and, and I, I, I was fortunate that I was able to get all our stuff out of there. You were. Except for radio. Yeah. Because um, I'd been with them for so, so long. Yeah. Radio Sparks, I kept stuff in there, yeah. but I never really uploaded. It's like streaming. There. I I yeah. I get uh you know uh, the Radio Spark. I've I switched over to Radio Spark Sparks too for everything new because that you know they don't want to pay content ID, but um and everything of mine goes in content ID. That's yeah. why we all go to non-exclusive so we can control all those those incomes. Not exactly right. What about your thoughts about Motion Array? We'll talk about Artlist in a minute because they're tied together, but are you part of Motion Array? No, no, didn't never got, got into them. Never didn't I really didn't look much beyond them. Artlist, I never I never never got into them, never tried them. These Artlist, I think, is one of those those libraries that's personally, I think that is a young person's library. In other words, I think that is one of those record label-esque 
library things where when you look through there, I challenge you, and I talked to Stevie B about this because he's in there, but I talk with my friends about this, and I challenge you to find someone that looks like you or me in that in that, <laughs> in that roster. There are maybe a few or one or two, but I I think it's Artlist is is. They're trying, I think Artlist is moving towards TV. I think they're trying to become more of a TV and movie library as much as a high-end YouTube library versus Motion Array, which seems mainly focused on composers and things for YouTube. Oh, you see all these in people talking about them in Music Library Report all, all the time. And, and by the way, we should probably just do a little commercial right at this time for Music Library Report because this is exactly what is going on there and and you don't really initiate these conversations you just facilitate all these conversations is that right yeah yeah that's what i'm trying to do is build a, like i say a knowledge base and so if somebody tries to create a topic on a library i close it down and say no you need to put it mm -hmm. if you have a question about a library you've got to put it on the listing uh because i want everybody if they're going to comment upon five or comment on any library i want it to be in that listing mm -hmm. That way, when people go there, they can see any conversations that have gone on over years, for that matter, because it goes back to 2009. Uh, and, you know, you know, frankly, you know, over the years, things have changed. Sure. But, you know, I want it to be a knowledge base, basically like a wiki, you know, uh, for music library. I, I have a Discord that's about 1,500 strong right now. And there's a lot of people in there that, we you know, we keep each other up on what's happening, what's, you know. Uh, what's what's going on with this library that library the other one but there's still nothing better in my in my like once a year i have to go to music library report and buy it for a week or a month or whatever just so i can kind of see what the scuttlebutt is about everything what am i missing is there a library i don't know about that this person was reported on or something like that mm -hmm. And uh, I don't use it every month because I just don't have time, but I do use it. Sure. I, I do need to, uh, it, it, there's no other place like it. There's no other discord other than mine that even comes close to the discussions about libraries that, that mm -hmm. uh, li music library report does. So you do, it's, it's a great facility, I think. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, okay. So we've got a 30% off coupon for you for Music Library Report. You can join for a week, for a month, for a year. You can join however you like. Just go down into the description and, and get that. Because if you're looking for music libraries and you want to know which ones are working right now, that's a great place to find that out. But let's talk about some things on the other side of that, moving towards more production music for television and film mm -hmm. and things. But first, let's get into a few little middle Middle of, middle of the road guys like Song Trader. Are you familiar with Song Trader at all? Yeah, I am. Um, I think I had stuff up there for a while. Song Trader was my fourth in biggest income last year. In these, really, things. really? Uh, as far as as far as these kind of libraries, um, oh, just as far as putting my non-exclusive stuff up there and having it all up there. Mainly because they have all these monetization options, especially overhead music. And mm -hmm. uh, and then a few compilation album type things where they put compilation albums to put together. I, it's mostly like music for for use, um, and and some sometimes putting it behind Twitch or put, putting it behind uh, video little apps and things like that. They need little pieces yeah. of audio. Yeah. So I it's not exclusive. I just let them use it all and put it on there, and mm -hmm. it some is sometimes turns into a hundred or two hundred dollar month, and so. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, now, the downside is it's basically like I'm trying to find one that's like this. Um, it, it's a lot. It's audio. It's not quite at Audio Sparks level as far as how many screens you have to fill out. You know, because Audio Sparks <laughs> is a lot. Yeah, that was crazy. That's like crazy. Their their interfaces. It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. it it is. There are a few screens, but they're not that bad. Um, but song trader has been good to me. And there've been a few things that have been used in, uh, in, in licensing where I've gotten some licensing dollars. So I would, mm -hmm. I highly suggest it. And I, I like I said, I, yeah, I will, I'll check them out. I, I'll check both of those out because, you know, what's better than, you know, having more stuff to do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what else are you going to do? Just sit around and watch TV all day. 
Okay. So uh, here's another one. Uh, another one that I've become a little bit more involved in recently. Music supervisor. Oh, no, yeah. Very uh, coughing. Mm -hmm. Coughing. Yeah. Yeah. I joined recently as an experiment this year, the premium version of that, which is $9.99 a month. I do that. I actually emailed him a while back and say, yeah, I think I'm going to try this. But because uh, I was in there for a long time and, you know, like a lot of people, you know, talk about it and they get nothing. And I just, I finally just pulled it out of there. But I was thinking about going back and what you're doing and do the premium one. Yeah. Give, it, give him another because I like him. I actually met him in Popular. He's a nice guy. You know what? He's after it. Um, I don't. He, he's your standard LA guy to me. You yeah. know, uh, I heard this the other day. We got this possibility, and this is this could happen, and this could happen, and this could happen. Oh, New York. Yeah. I thought that was New York. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's like any music business person I've ever heard. But exactly yeah, right. I, I truly, uh, so far from what I've seen, I think he's got the heart of the. Of, of the songwriter slash producer wanting to get in there. I think he's got a heart for yeah. them and you can get on a live uh, zoom with him once a month through this thing. Plus you get a totally ton of briefs. I mean, I, I get sometimes five to 10 a day and they don't last really? long. They're, they're, they're not long. You sometimes are a couple hours, sometimes are a day. I submitted some to one just the other day. I think I've done two, I've done three to five briefs with them so far and uh, so if you like briefs and you want to try no, it out. I hate them. Dude, like did them you just all. see my last video? I just had a video out. And it's called Why I Hate, Why Briefs Chafe Me is why I called it originally. And <laughs> <laughs> I do not. I, like, I like to write my own things. Here's the only weird reason I like briefs. If a brief comes along and I have exactly what it wants, I'll respond to it. Yeah. Otherwise, I am not just going to sit around and try to write to briefs. How frustrating is that? That's the oh, worst. Man. It's funny, this nephew I talked to you about, he's actually got a gig. He's like in his 30s, so he's right at that right age. And um, he actually has a writing gig with Jingle Crunch, and they, of course, they take part of his writing. Yep. Uh, but he, he loves briefs. You know, 20 he years ago, I might have loved briefs, you yeah, know? Yeah. I wrote for, I've written for clients for 25 years and I'm a little done writing for clients and I'm yeah. on the back end now and I'm more into my composing again. I got, I went back and got my uh, master's in composition a few years ago here in Florida. And now wow. I just want to compose what I want to compose. I'm back to yeah, that place amen. again, you know? Me too. I'm the same way. It's just, I want to write what I want to write. I've always been that way though. It's too. when I got into music, after the first initiation with this production company, I got kind of got to the point where I just want to write what I want to write, yep. you know, and if it something happens, fine, you know, if it doesn't, well, I'm okay. Either way is fine. If you decide yep. you want to just work for music and work for clients, there's no shame or, or problem with that. No, you know, when you've done that for a long time, then I think you just, you know, you know, working for, clients having a studio doing all that stuff writing uh, you know after a while it's like no it's just like making someone else's dreams come true for so long and and you yeah. just say you know what i just want to make i just want to make music like i did when i first started you know and yeah. uh, i think as we get older we get more in that way all right, Absolutely. so uh, the next place I want to talk about is, uh, let's talk about Score a Score. I've never talked about them on this channel, but I have pitched to them, and I have a really good connection there. Uh, his name is... Jordan? No, is it Max? What about Matt? Is it Max at Score a Score? I think, I think he's there. I think there's a Max there. Jordan, I think, was one of the... Max has politely declined some things from me before, but he at least would return an email from me every time saying this. Yeah, I've got some really good placements with them. And I had, then they went exclusive. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, it's funny, I had a, they went exclusive. And I said, now I said, I want, I eventually took all my stuff back. And they were kind enough to give it back to me. Uh, but I had one thing. They had gone exclusive. I had submitted them something for a Jack Daniels commercial. And whoever the woman I talked to over there, she says, I don't know. It was like 
a year later, I said, well, you know, they decide they want that. And I said, this is still non-exclusive, right? And she said, no, no, it's going to be, it has to be exclusive. And I said, no, and they took it. Jack Daniels took it anyways, which just shows you the whole exclusive, non-exclusive stuff means nothing yeah. because if a client wants it, they don't give a crap. I had, a, really I had a sync agent uh, on uh, Mark Freezer. I don't know if you know Mark, but uh, he from uh, Sync Summit. And he came on my show the other day and he said, you know, this whole thing, exclusive versus non-exclusive, they will make you believe that music supervisors want everything yeah. exclusive. Yeah. And, and, yeah. That, and that if they have to have complete control over the song. You know what music supervisors care about? Having the song that they want and moving on to the next thing. They could Biggest care less. Hmm? Yeah, it's a big con. Yeah. It's, and it was when it first came up on Music Library Report, you know, this is like 10 years ago, whenever this started coming up. It's a con, man. It doesn't because the client wants it, what it wants. They it doesn't want, care. Want, and they don't care. Yeah. They want it as fast and as quickly as they can get it. So they got to move on to the next thing. And yeah, yeah. Uh, they don't care where it comes from, where it, whether it comes from a person they know, a sync agent, or a music library. In the end, if they get what they want, great. Moving on. <laughs> now, I can see, uh, here's a, from a business point of view, if you own a library, it's great to go to a client and say, nobody in the world has got this. You know, we're the only ones that have this music. And you be assured, maybe that's a selling point for them. The client doesn't know any better, possibly. I, I but, uh, what I just heard from this sync agent is that, uh, on average, the client doesn't care. That that yeah. like that's not the biggest selling point for the client, especially if they're up against a deadline. They they yeah. they would much rather just have the song than go. Um, can I only have a song that you only have the version <laughs> right. of, you know, I love this song, but are you the only person who has it? Because I, I just think if they're up against it, they won't care. Yeah, um, I totally, I totally agree. All right. Here's another exclusive library with a similar name, Scorekeepers. Oh yeah. I had a, well, when they were non-exclusive, I had a lot of success with them. In fact, we had a whole bunch of stuff on, uh, let's make a deal. Wow. through them interesting yeah and it ran for quite a while and then of course they went exclusive and then they had a guy over there who i don't know if he's still there but he was difficult to deal with from my point of view uh bond has always been great yeah he's a easy guy wonderful guy to deal with but um this other person i had a hard time with and so i kind of like you know, never followed up, you know, once they went exclusive, but when they were not exclusive, we got a lot of stuff. I tell you, we did, we have one experience, which I thought I would try foolishly. Uh, well, they said, well, this, this, this deal with this network, it was one of those weird networks. They want all the publishing. So we have to take a piece of the writing. Now I had so much good success with this. I would never, never advise anybody sure, to do this. No. I thought, well, they've been really good, a lot of success. I'll give it a shot. Turn into nothing. Yeah. So, um, but that, yeah. So initially they were great. And Vaughn, I can't say enough good things about him. He's been wonderful. Yeah. My experience with them so far over two or three years has been that I've seen nothing on uh, TuneSat, which doesn't necessarily mean anything. TuneSat is not the yeah. end all be all, but um, I, I, and we'll talk about TuneSat in a minute, but I, I, um, I like working with them. Okay. I, and I have stuff, yeah. hundreds of stuff in their catalog, but I yeah. haven't really seen, uh, I've seen a few things on my royalty statements here and there, just little mm -hmm. tiny little things. So, yeah. uh, but that's one of the ones that when the, when the, when the, uh, term is up there might be have some, some discussions about getting a few things back you know the business is changing so much yeah. and so fast i think everybody's getting caught in between yeah yeah for sure um here is a library similar uh a a, a strange library i think and but i like them very much although i don't think i've ever got anything placed through them crucial yeah. music yeah i've had some good luck with crucial music and I like the people uh, Tom B. Um, uh, I like the people over there, and we've got some really good placements through Crucial. Um, off the top of my head, I can't think of them. 
I just love the fact that they show you where they're pitching and you can see the pitches. Yeah, I love that too. That is. And I, they're always pitching. Yeah. They're always pitching. Even stuff that we gave them, they've had for like five, six, seven years. Yes. I, I go check it out and they're still pitching it. They are very picky. It's very hard yeah, to get stuff in there. Very hard to get into. I'm probably. Uh, really hard to get I'm into. I'm probably about one out and of seven. Huh? I'm probably about one out of seven pitches to them yeah. and it takes three months to get into get those three because now they do covers now though and so covers count as another three songs so you can actually do six songs at a time if you do covers and uh I've, i have a few covers with them now but it's great to see that the pitches and yeah i i have pitches from like last month that i can just see yeah. and uh it's yeah songs they've had for years so i really you know, enjoy it. yeah i enjoy yeah, them sure. it's just very hard to get in there which is fine i'm actually fine with libraries that it's hard to get into yeah, yeah. because yeah. that means they're not just accepting any old crap and i like that exactly i agree um, tell me what you think about this other company that I did my very first pitch to the, uh, respond to a brief yesterday just because I had it. Tune Edge. Yeah. I was, <laughs> I was with them for quite a while, um, uh, Joel. And, um, you know, been, they've been great. And I had a lot of stuff in there, but it was years and nothing. And I just said, you know what? I, I sort of got into this thing where I just didn't want my music scattered all over the place because I figured I figure I've got another 16 more years. I figure I'm going to make it to 100. No <laughs> my, I want the stuff all free and clear so I can pass it off. Absolutely. I've already the person to pass it off so that they know where everything is. Yeah. And it's not out in a whole bunch of places just sitting because it was just sitting. Right. And somebody had mentioned that they had gotten something on TuneEdge recently through, they mentioned it on Music Library Report. And I was really surprised and I was happy to hear because I hadn't heard anybody really getting anything through that. And, uh, but I like them and they're easy to deal with. And it's kind of a weird little website submitting thing. But uh, It's not too hard, actually. I, 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 it's not too hard. It, just, it kind of threw me a little bit getting used to it. I saw, they, they actually have improved it since they started it. It, wasn't, it was a little kludgier before when it first started. I haven't done exclusive, and so on the non-exclusive contract, it seems like we're splitting the writers 20-20, but I would, I mean, 50-50. But I think that's because I keep the publishing and or um, they are retitling, I hope. Um, they, are they do retitle. Okay, good. So if they're retitling, I don't care. If they get me something and we split it, I don't, I don't care. I don't want to. They they can't get twenty five of my BMI, but they can get twenty five of their BMI and my BMI if if they retitle. I don't. I don't. I'm one of those people who doesn't care about retitling. I could care less, as long yeah, as. No, I don't there was a big thing about oh, that, and I went. Mm. I, you know, PMA coming out. You know, with the PMA they had all this stuff about it, and then just go get over it. You know. When I first I got into this, that yeah. I was warned never have your stuff retitled. I'm like, and, and as I've gone along, I've been like, well, that to me seems like a no brainer. Let them retitle. Yeah. And, and if they make some money with it, good. They make money for us both. Yeah, absolutely. What about pink shark music? Any? Oh, yeah. I was with them for a while. I don't think I ever had, had anything going on with them. I know I was with them for a while. Yeah, nice people to work with so far from what I've, I know, uh, but exclusive as well. Are you busy on the libraries? You're, doing, you're hitting it. Well, yeah, uh, that's because I talk about them a lot, and I keep finding them, and and uh, I have, uh, you know, the more the better. The, I think you have to just like like we said, you got to put your music everywhere that's possible. Um, mm -hmm. But then you have to make a decision if you're going to work with some of these that are are exclusive. Which ones are you going to allow to be exclusive? Now, I'm probably a lot less precious with people with songs than a lot of people just because I have so many and I crank so much out all the mm -hmm. time. And I just always have. When you become a music producer, you get used to working on 20 to 100 songs at a time. And you don't even think mm -hmm. about it because it's just work. You know, if you have 10 clients and they're all doing a 10 song album, that's a hundred songs you're working on, you know? So yeah. it, it, and plus I have mm -hmm. a whole crew in Nashville 
<clears throat> and mm -hmm. so most of the time I'm sending, and I have clients that act as partners who pay for the players and the singers. And oh, so, yeah. so I'm not always sitting here, you know, making tunes myself. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I have lots of things that are in, in process by other people. So I'm able to produce a lot. No, oh, that's great. That's wonderful. Um, let's talk about tune sat for a minute and any competitors that it may have. I know you're, you offer a deal on your site, by the way, <clears throat> if people are interested on TuneSat. Um, I don't pay them, but um, I do use them for uh, my different libraries up to the 50 free tunes. I, I have found mm -hmm. them to be uh, helpful um, in knowing that okay. I'm getting some things. What's your thoughts on TuneSat? Yeah, I found a, uh, there was a commercial running and BMI had not picked it up, and TuneSat was picking it up, and it was about a three-month lag, and they they finally found it, but uh, it turned into a lot of money because I found it on TuneSat. I would have never known it was even running. Uh, it turned into about twenty grand. So let's explain TuneSat real quick, if anybody doesn't know what it is, but it's a it's an always listening to television and uh, what else, radio or just television? The webs, they, 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 they monitor the web too. Okay. They have, a, um, and they also do European, though I'm just in the US. Yeah, uh, thank God for European. <clears throat> That's how I see, I get a lot of stuff used in Germany for some reason. There is a German music supervisor who really loves my music on one of my catalogs. No, that's <laughs> that's that's so, because I'm in all these German reality shows. But all, yeah. all that said, which I'm happy about, that's fine. But yeah. um, all that said, I've seen that through TuneSat. I found out about it through TuneSat, and TuneSat's listening all the time to be what's being played. And if it catches it, similar to Identify, if it's listening and it catches right. it, yeah. it lets you know that. And and just like Identify, it lets you kind of go to that video or see a clip or at least hear a few seconds of what your music was being used, right. which I think is just amazing technology that that exists. I mean, the TuneSat site is real is older, but it still works, and you got to give it yeah. some props. Well, recently, uh, there's been a, a message on their site that there's, and it's been up there because this has come up on Music Library Report. The the message up there is that they're updating their servers, and you can't create any new accounts or upgrade your account. Hmm. Now I don't, don't know quite what's going on because this has been going on for at least over a week, so I don't know if there's something going on there or not. But yeah, I mean, it's the only thing I found that over the years I used to reconcile. It's hard to do, but I used to take my BMI statement, put it in the spreadsheet, tune set, and reconcile them. Unless I catch that occasional one-off, like a, a commercial that's running, it's a wash. And TuneSat misses a bunch, and BMI misses a bunch, but they find a bunch, and it all comes out as a big wash. So, it's been my experience. Is there any need to like make a stink with BMI because you saw stuff on TuneSat that is not coming up on your uh, BMI statement? No, and I used to do that, but it's such a hassle that the only time I said is, is I found this one commercial. I kept showing up and showing up. And BMI wasn't showing it, and I finally tracked it down, and that was the one time that paid off. But generally speaking, if the show is kind of keep running constantly, constantly, and sometimes because of how they the way Chris over it, Tunes had explained to me they get their the schedules of the shows is different from it was at that time from where the detection is so they have to sort of reconcile it on their end and sometimes it's not right yeah. there'll be a show that's listed that's not actually the show that were that ran yeah I've seen that yeah so you get into like trying to go well this show's on Tunesat well we don't accept Tunesat but it says you know so I just I stopped trying to reconcile the spreadsheets. I do always check it, see if something pops up, but uh, I stopped trying to reconcile them. Excellent. 
Well, um, lastly, let me just touch on neighboring rights. And uh, we had mentioned that earlier, and you said you use write-in royalties, which I'll have to check out. Mm -hmm. And I had been looking at NRG, which was a company I did an interview with about neighboring rights. And and if you're interested, Mm -hmm. I'll put that link below if you're watching and you want to know more about neighboring rights. Because this guy, Chris from NRG, he really explained it really well, you know, and all the, 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 thing that the U.S. radio stations did not want to get involved with as far as paying right. uh, these, these uh, what essentially are mechanicals, right? No, terrestrial radio. Uh, it was originally terrestrial radio yeah. that they were picking up. Right. Um, and, yeah, what is it, mechanicals or whatever it's it is. Mechanicals, it's mechanicals, yeah. It's just, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, no, it's imp- it's it's more money you know? and it's and similar it's to sound exchange it pays all sorts of stuff and sound exchange says they collect international royalties but they collect international royalties of only um a non non-interactive streaming so pandora mm-hmm. and nice. uh, xm radio that's where they collect from so yet yeah, around the yeah. world but they don't collect from a german television network playing a show called Farmer Seeking a Wife or uh, Bauer Sucht Frau, which is the one I've been on. And they don't collect the royalties for me uh, that that could be collected there. And so now the other answer to neighboring rights is to join a German, uh, not GEMA, which is the which is the uh, performance yeah. rights, but there's another one called G- the collection society, they, they all have these CSO. societies. Yeah, the collection yeah. society. But don't you have to be theoretically a citizen of the country to join it? That's the way it used to be. I don't know. You had to be a citizen of the country, but there was a workaround that these companies have found. But what Raiden uh, does or NRG does is they go to all these CSOs and collect right. these neighboring rights that are owed to the writer and or and could be performers, could be lots of things. But in our case, we probably are just all coming to us. And that's just more royalties that could possibly, more pennies and dollars that could come in. And so um, I'll have to look into riding royalties. I've seen it before. NRG, one problem with NRG is it's based in uh, Prague, which is a little no. odd to sign documents uh, with a company in you know, the Czech Republic. He's in Texas. Yeah, that seems a little safer for some reason. Probably there were libraries I didn't mention that you, any libraries I didn't mention that you uh, have? have, Jingle Punks. Who? Um, Jingle Punks. Jingle Punks. Yeah, I've seen them. I don't know if I've ever pitched to them or... or... Oh, they were, uh, they were, they got me, they still get me more placements than anybody. Okay. And um, exclusive or non-exclusive? Well, that's the thing, right? They were <laughs> non-exclusive for a long time, and then they decided to go exclusive. And I don't know where my music is with them now. <laughs> I mean, I I had a conversation <laughs> with one of the owners, and he said, "Sure, you can stay non-exclusive." <laughs> then. He left the company, and I don't know where the music is, what, what status it's in. I've had conversations with him saying, oh, no, we don't have any record of that. And so I don't know. But, but it's but, one of uh, those deals probably that it's bringing you money, so you're like, eh. Yeah, I'm not going to complain. <laughs> <laughs> so they're, uh, But they're, they got, they're, at the time, and probably still to this day, they're the biggest source of revenue in a BMI statement. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great meeting you. Yeah, it was great to meet you finally. And thank you so much for all the work that you've done putting into Music Library Report. And and I think I can say from everyone who's been part of that, whoever wants to just find out information that they've really appreciate the work that you put into that. There's a lot in there. I mean, you could just go pages and pages and see all the things that you offer there and and just things you've thought of through the years that are, are very valuable. So I just want to say thank you for, thank you. for making yeah. that and doing that and keeping that thing up. You could drop that at any moment, but you keep it going. I certainly appreciate it. And I know everybody does because everybody's always asking me, the number one question is, where do I find libraries? I'm like, why don't you open up your browser and just do a search? So you have this thing called the internet. But um, anyway, but 
thank you so much for that. And like we like we've said through this video, there's a discount for Music Library Report right below here. Take care of yourself. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time. Good talking to you. You too. Have a good day. Bye bye. bye, -bye.